Need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Hello everyone and welcome back to the AI Premier League preview pod. After a break to enjoy a warm weather training camp, I'm feeling back, I'm, I'm, I'm refreshed and, and tonight with the help of two great guests we'll be looking ahead to this weekend's game against West Brom. Uh, joining me on this week's pod are West Brom fan Dan Watts and AI regular and wrestling writer for Mirror Sport, it's uh, Mo Chatra. Evening guys. Good evening. Evening. Evening Evening. Good to speak evening, to you Dan. both. Plenty to... Plenty to, to, to chat about on both sides here, Dan. Uh, plenty, I'm sure that's not going to be f- fun. Yeah, it's sort of fun to revisit, but really appreciate you coming on to give us some of the insights. So, um, let's start with West Brom then, and um, just to get the sort of grim sort of intro out of the way. Four wins in the in the league all season. Um, that's not the only stat you need to tell you. It's been a it's been a disastrous campaign of many reasons, I'm sure, um, and I'm sure many to blame as well um, for what looks like is inevitable relegation, drawing ever closer, isn't it? But um, before we dive into exactly what went, went wrong there and, and who's to blame, uh, one thing we can all collectively revel in and enjoy um, is you know Jose Mourinho and Manchester United losing games of football, especially at Old Trafford. So um, to start off on that, you know, so on, on a positive what did you make of that sort of uh, sorry, rare win, but um, away win uh, at Old Trafford? That's one of um, a few in over the recent years, isn't it? Yeah, we've uh, the last five times we've visited Old Trafford, we've managed to win three of them and, and we yeah. drew one and, and lost just the one, which is really odd because that's that record's up there with Man yeah. City. And you've done better than us. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it should have been a sure bet really for everyone, but no. Um, it, it was it was really unexpected. I think with the position that we're in and the performances we've been putting in so far this season. Um, but then again, if it was to come at any point, you, you could argue that with the the, the bounce of having um, Darren Moore come in as our caretaker manager, a man who's who's hugely respected in these parts, um, you could argue that it, it was just you know one one of those things that was maybe meant to be. But you know the, the performance. It was very good. It was it was actually fantastic. We, we hit them at the right times. Um, we weren't too defensive in terms of our overall outlook. We managed to get out quite a lot and we managed to put them under pressure at times. And Rondon had about three or four different chances. Um, and of course, we defended really well when, when we had to and Ben Foster pulled off a couple of fantastic saves. But I mean, overall, it, that was definitely the performance of the season. It's just a shame that it's come at, at the point where it doesn't, it matters not one bit, unfortunately. So, no, I completely understand. But I mean, I mean, I'm guessing, as you sort of hinted at there, it was sort of bittersweet looking at that because, of course, you, you're seeing lots of things in that performance that, of course, would have made a difference earlier on had had they been there. I mean, who was you mentioned Foster making some big saves, but who was particularly key to the win? Are there players who you saw in that performance where you think? Or, or even tactical um, things that more employed or things like that that you think, well, uh, if we could have done that earlier on, maybe. Or, or is it just a case of nothing to lose, getting behind the new manager, wanting to fight for him, things like that? I think the cynic in me sort of would point to it being a performance of, from the players that sort of puts them in the shop window with, with the summer deadline coming up. Um, with, sorry, with the summer transfer window coming up. Um but I mean, if 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 you're going to pinpoint specific players, I think Jay Rodriguez was fantastic. It was a really well taken goal, and and he helped. He certainly helped in 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 the forward play. Um, he he's he's been a bit inconsistent this season. Um, and he's been a bit in and out of the team. But but he sh- he certainly showed on on uh, Sunday that you know he can score a lot of goals for us. If you can keep him in the championship next season, that'd be a massive bonus. Um. Probably Dawson and Agassi worked really well at the back. Um, 
Dawson, I'm not the biggest fan of his when he's playing at centre back, but I, you know, he made me eat my words a little bit on Sunday. He was fantastic, um, positionally wise. He sort of he sort of read a lot that was coming at him, as opposed to having to constantly find last ditch tackles. Um, and then Ben Foster, um, genuinely, he's he's the best goalkeeper I've probably seen in a baggy shirt, and he's he's just been fantastic for us over the course of six years now and you know we're really lucky to have him we're lucky that he's settled with the club um and, he, and from the sounds of it he's he's definitely willing to stay on in the championship next season so yeah i mean the, the, there are positives for us to look at but you know it's just come way too late in the season i mean i think i think the mentality of the baggies fans is that we were relegated probably even two months back even. So I think we've, we're just very much used to this relegation mentality where we are just looking at what we can do going forward as opposed to even trying to stay in the league because I think that's that's long gone now, unfortunately. Yeah, right. Well, there's no avoiding it, I guess. And I guess we should sort of start at the beginning. I, I remember speaking to you actually in the past, actually, around, I think it was around Pulis and, um, you know, when things were good in terms of the the sort of you know, th- f- being around thirteenth, twelfth, eleventh in the league, um, performances and style of football not being um, appealing to the vast majority of fans, it seemed, and an increasing number of fans actually as time went on. When it, when it came when it comes to Pulis, which is a very familiar tale with him, wherever he goes, you, people know what he can do in terms of the solidity and keeping you up, things like that. But the style, the approach, the sort of cynicism does seem to wane on fans for a while. I'm sure there are plenty who are looking at it now and thinking maybe we should have held on to him or whatever. But it not felt, really, you know. Not, not really, really, yeah. yeah. It, it, it felt that rot was underway for a while, even before he was sacked. You know, they weren't happy with the performances or the results. Um, but but when did things really start to slide in terms of even results then and the reasons behind that? Probably talking, if you go back 12, 13 months, um, we secured our Premier League status last season and um, quite quite quickly and, and we had probably about 10 games to play where we were pretty much safe and it didn't really matter results-wise what we did and we sort of were on the beach for 10 games and it's the way it transpired, it just appeared that we didn't get off that beach until Pulis was sacked. Um it's a lot more complicated than that, but but I mean results wise, that's exactly how it looks. Um, the, the the final ten games of of last season, and then the the start that we had this season, bar two wins right at the very beginning, um, for football was absolutely atrocious. Um, our season ticket numbers have gone down by about four thousand in the last three years, um, which shows the temperament of baggies. I mean, which just shows how frustrated the Baggies fans are with the football that they're watching. We, we're a fairly supportive and loyal bunch of fans at the Baggies. So um, I think Pulis Ball, as it became known, uh, it, it is just such a frustrating watch. And occasionally it'll throw up a 1-0 win, and maybe even against one of the big boys. But, you know, it, it just... There's, there's, there's so much... It brought about a lot of... Um, arguments within the fan base. There were a, were a few that were very much for it because of the results. Um, but when they started to turn and they started realising the results weren't even coming along with the the defensive setup. So we were literally defending week in, week out and not getting results and still conceding goals. So the whole, the whole Pulis mantra was just completely pointless because he wasn't doing what he's supposedly he's meant to do. Um, and I think the, the, the right time to sack him was probably weeks before he went. And I would arguably say that giving him a new contract in the summer of 2017 was the stupidest thing the Baggies board have done in years. Yeah. And in, in, in terms of that sort of boards and competence, I'm sure we'll come on to that. But the, the appointment, the sacking of Poulis then, and then the appointment um, of Alan Pardew, what was the sort of feeling around that appointment when it was announced amongst the fan base? Um, I mean, the immediate thing, uh, just to get it out of the way, as a disclaimer, I very much really dislike Alan Pardew. Um, <laughs> just get it out of there ahead of time. Uh, I'm sure he's probably 
a better man than I think, and I'm sure some, some Baggies fans as well don't blame him totally or whatever, but um, didn't strike me as the man to sort of fight a relegation battle, if you will. But what was the sort of a, sort of opinion uh, amongst the fan base as a whole, you reckon, around around the appointment of Pardew? I think, at the, you know, at the time, I think it was a... I mean, Gary Megson came in as our caretaker, and, of course, and yeah. Gary Megson as um, a man who could never do any wrong as, in terms of Albion fans' eyes. You know, he, he, he pretty much, you know, if you could pinpoint one man as the reason as to why we've spent the last seven years in the Premier League, even though his time came a, lot, a long time before then, it would be him because he set everything up for us to, to build the base to be able to become a Premier League club. Um, and so with him drawing two games, tough games as well, um, one of them was away at Spurs, I think there was sort of a feeling that Megson should maybe have got a little bit longer. but um, And then the appointment of Pardew came and, and people, uh, he, he had links to our former technical director, Hammond, who's actually just been sacked this week. Um, and it was it was sort of just an, another one of those safety first sort of appointments. And we, we didn't need that because as, as a football club, I think... We've just had safety first with Pulis for three years. Three, you know, we didn't we didn't need that mentality. We needed someone to drag those players up off the ground and and allow them to be free and play a, uh, attractive football. Um, and I think Pardew's of the idea behind getting Pardew in was just that he's been there and done that before, and he's managed to keep teams in the Premier League before and. He's an experienced Premier League manager, and it's just short-sightedness, from, in my opinion, from the board. Because there are so there is a plethora of great managers across the world. Why are we looking at constant, uh, constantly looking at the same people over and over again? Um, the, the, you know, the, there's plenty of appointments, even from the Championship or from Scotland or from on the continent, who we could have lured to the Premier League. The money's there in the Premier League. We can we can afford to have have, have got a, an up and coming solid good manager and it would have been a risk but I think any appointment was a risk at that stage and um, I don't think the blame is there quite as much with Pardew um, but then you do have the whole taxi gate affair which was ridiculous yeah what actually happened there sorry I, I, I thought I sort of zoned out around that sort of scandal so but... yeah there was we, we went to uh, train at the Espanol training ground um to get some warm weather training in, a bit of a team bonding session. It did sound like a bit of a pissed up, if I'm honest. Um, which, do you know what? <laughs> it, it, to, to a point, to team bonding is absolutely fine. If that's what of was course. needed, then that's fine. But to take it to the levels that they did, apparently they only had two hours on the training pitch in like three or four days. Pardew himself was getting wasted on evenings out and managed to have his wallet and phone stolen. Um, and then you've got players at five o'clock in the morning following a night on the beer, deciding it's OK to to steal a taxi in the wonderful city of Barcelona. I mean, I'm laughing about it now, but at the time I really wasn't. I was absolutely fuming <laughs> because it's just it, it didn't it come not long after with, with the tragic death of Cyril Regis. And there was there wasn't a feeling of, of, of it. It just didn't really go down well with supporters at all. Um, and it, it just wasn't the right timing. You know, it wasn't needed. Um, and as as much as players will have, have done and probably still will in the future go out and have a drink and have a laugh with their teammates, you know, that's fine. But there's a time and a place and that was really taking, taking it way too far. Um, and we're just lucky. I mean, so, you know, I don't know how it came about but the uh the taxi driver didn't want to press any charges now you can work that one out yourself God. from the reasons why he didn't want to press any yeah. charges let's just say he might have found a fiver on the back of his seat um so the whole affair just stunk and it, and it, and, it, and that showed to me that the players had no respect at all for Pardew and it's no starting point to trying to keep a club in the Premier League unfortunately so I think Pardew should have been sacked at that point, which he wasn't. Um, and then we went on probably our, our most disastrous run of the season so far. Yeah, you think all, all the things you sort of associate with a manager that's going to come in and help you 
avoid relegation or or at least you know, spark a reaction that there would be you know, the, the discipline the instilling of the work ethic etc etc and, and, and yeah it very much sounds like from that then that there was lack of respect lack of focus um sort of lack of desire from Pardew then if he, if he, if he was allowing that sort of thing to to I go agree. on and and as you mentioned as well sort of the um, given sort of the huge influential nature of Cyril Regis as well, just the fact that that happened around yeah. that, that point as well, yeah. it's just even more, I can imagine how that went down within the within the fan base. I mean, not to dwell too much longer on Pardew, but did he try anything tactically different? Did, was there anything the, noticeable? I think the, when he when he first took charge, I think he was trying to prove a point and he went all out attack and he was fielding three strikers at a time every week and yeah. that really wasn't working. You did ask. We hadn't, <laughs> yeah, well, that was the one occasion it did yeah, work. That's true. That was after lots of trial, like, and but the best of it is we beat you at, at you guys and then we never played the same team again. <laughs> so, really? So it's oh, like we, we beat Liverpool at Anfield and then we're trying to change it again. That was that was nonsensical. But I mean, um. He did try and go all out attack, and then all of a sudden, that wasn't going to work because these players that he's took charge of have been coached into a, a need to. Well, that the, the, they're going to have thirty percent possession every game they're playing, and so in order to get them doing that straight away, it was going to be impossible, really. Like you know, so it, that didn't work. And then, to be honest with you, there was there was that there was that many attempts at trying to change things around he didn't ever really have a best 11 we did know have a few notable injuries which have cost us morrison and chadley haven't really featured and of course daniel storage and daniel storage as as he's made of glass broke um and so yeah we haven't been looking that regard which is unfortunate for party but in terms of tactics wise we we got it right in probably two matches that he took charge of um, and there can be no real complaints because the, the games that we've lost we, we didn't really show any energy and effort and fight at the right times or we'd be, be ahead and concede late goals constantly conceding late goals which shows to me that, it, that it's not really a tactics thing it's more it was definitely more of a mentality thing um, and and you know, during the week, you can you can go through tactics all day, but if if your head's not on it, then you're not going to win football matches. And the, I'd, I'd arguably say that, despite us having what is what many Albion fans believe is probably our strongest side in the Premier League, we've we've played some absolutely crap football, really have. Yeah, it has a, just just a brief mention of Sturridge there. Yeah, really, just the, even for Liverpool fans watching that as well. When, when he went down on in, in that first game as well, just thinking, dear lord, such a talented, ridiculously talented footballer. But if he if he, if he, if he can't get on the pitch, it's just yeah, it's just, just useless, isn't it? And um, yeah, it, it definitely would have been interesting to see what he could have done for you um, had he been fit. But um, uh, just to, before we get onto the game itself this weekend, then I mean, conscious that we're just blaming ex-managers, um, the caretaker managers have actually probably been the, mo- the more successful managers for you this season um very easy to point at, at both managers of course but um in terms of what went wrong on the pitch and you mentioned you know the legacy of sort of Pulis and players being coached in a certain way and then finding it hard to adapt to a different type of football have there been players in particular though who've underperformed shown little fight when it's mattered um who how, how long have you got yeah <laughs> but any sort of key, I mean, just doesn't tell the people I'm thinking um, about where there are footballers in that squad I see of yours who, as you mentioned, they are of good quality and um, you'd imagine yeah. they'd have some fight about them, but clearly it's it's been kicked well, out of them. I think I mean, number one is, is Gareth Barry, um, completely unprofessional um, during the whole Taxi Gate affair, and then his performances afterwards were absolutely substandard. He's not really a liked figure at the Hawthorns there. Um, Johnny Evans, it's quite clear that he wanted to move in the summer. It's quite clear that he wanted to move in January. Although openly in the public, everyone's got this opinion of, oh, Johnny Evans is a nice guy, he's saying all the right things. There is absolutely no doubt he wants to leave West Bromwich Albion, has done for probably 12 months at least. Um, so in that regard, 
I don't think he's been putting in what many people would consider 100%. And his performances at times, Hagazi's outshone him quite a lot. And, you know, Hagazi is a, is, is a very decent defender, but but quite clearly Evans is the better player. But, you know, Hagazi's been probably the first name on the team sheet in, in regards to, you know, defensive positions this season. Um, so those two really stand out. But then you've got, um, Matty Phillips, who has got a desire of, I don't know, the desire of, of something that's, I, I don't know, he's just got no desire. Absolutely none. <laughs> he's, he, 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 lost he, he, runs, he runs down that wing and it, he'll get tapped and he'll fall over the ball. He can't beat the first man. He'll go in for a tackle and then, and then pull out of it completely, leading to the other team scoring goals. Complete bottler of a footballer. I'd much rather have James McLean playing who he's probably half a footballer that Phillips is, but at least he gives 100%. I, I, and that's as simple as it is, really. Um, and then we've got players who could have come in, who could have made a difference, such, such as um, young Sam Field, who's a fantastic midfielder, absolutely brilliant midfielder, naturally gifted, strong on the ball, very good at picking a player out. You know, he's even got a strike on him. You know, he's done really well on, in all our age groups coming up to the first team. Um and for whatever reason, Pardew didn't fancy him, and it, and it came out quite. It came out in public um, after Pardew left that he was quite. Um, he, he was quite demeaning of him, and he was he he, he didn't really give him much of a shout at all, um, and so that's that's quite frustrating that when when fans are looking for someone to to get behind the the player that probably we could have all got behind was a local lad. He just didn't even feature and he was he's you know, he was clearly clearly more interested in playing for a club than, than Gareth Barry ever is or was. Um and then you've got Krikoviak who's also clearly a fantastic footballer, but he he's been hit and miss all season. Um so there's been a the new, numerous players really that you could hang up and I, I mean just just to emphasise the frustration of this season, if any of our players wish to leave the football club, they can go, all of them. None of, none of them are important to me right now. Um, and I know I said J-Rod would be great to keep him, it would. But, but if any of our players really aren't interested in playing for what I consider is a fantastic, historic, great football club, then they can go, like, genuinely. So... Such is the dismay this season that we do need to to you know slam our fist down on the reset button, and we do need to just simply just start fresh. Is there is there the feeling that I mean I'm guessing there is quite a lot of distrust towards the board, but is there the feeling that there is an acknowledgement of the errors that have been made, um, albeit too late? Um, and do do you have faith that? Um, with an exodus of players or whatever, obviously there is that money that that the club will take even yeah. with the relegation. Um, do, do you think that, that there is the ability to rebuild in the championship? Yeah, well, we, we we got rid of our chairman and our chief exec, and we've replaced him with a chief exec who's all, all sort of standing up and acting as our chairman at the minute, um, who was formerly employed by the club and he knows uh, the structure of the football club and, and what goes on behind the scenes and. Um, I think that the club should have sacked Pardew earlier, but there was some sort of contractual issue. And to me, it was almost like accepting relegation when if we'd have got rid of Pardew long before we did, and even given it to Darren Morby, Dave, as we call him, um, the opportunity to, to manage us for even 12 games at the end of the season or 10 games, as opposed to just the six that he's got. You never know what might have happened. Um, so I do think the 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 club have acted maybe unprofessionally is, is the right word for the, the, the top dogs at the club have have not made decisions. Maybe they've made decisions that they deem is in the best interest of the club, but supporters really don't see it that way. Um, and I think moving forward and looking at next season, yes, there might well be an exodus of players and Yes, we're going to need to sign quite a few new new players in order to 
to be strong next season. Um, but for me, I don't think we should be looking at promotion next season. If we can manage to be up there towards the end of the season, then absolutely fantastic. But you, you only look at what clubs like Wolves did when they got relegated, um, what Sunderland are doing this season, in the past what Norwich did in going down two leagues. We really need to stabilise the club very quickly, get someone in who knows what they're doing, um, and maybe look longer term and build something fresh and new. Look at you signing younger players that can stay at the club for three, four, five years and, and build something, as opposed to just signing another bunch of players deemed fit to do well in the championship that might not well do do well in the championship. Um, because it, 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 it could all go wrong again next season. Um, so I think any Albion fans that think that we're going to go down and have a wonderful party and travel to 23 new away grounds and and finished in the top two or even in the playoffs um, need a bit of a reality check because for me I think it needs to be more of a long-term project and the money will be there um, the parachute payments are, are still quite a lot more than anybody in the championship will be earning um, and we've got drop-down clauses in every single player's wages so all of our players wages will drop in you know by I think it's about 40 or 50 percent so that then covers the fallout of, of losing the Premier League TV, TV money. Um, so financially, we'll be OK, um, but we need to make sure we, we reinvest properly and, and, and look long-term, in my opinion. Yeah, just about there for, for, for a second. I mean, I mean tell me if, I, if I'm mistaken, but, but was there anything this season at all where there was something in the papers around West Brom not being able to pay the players or, or anything like that? Or, or, or am I making no, no, you, 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 there was a bit of a financial report that came in saying that the it was uh, Jenkins, our new chief exec who's, who's recently come in. He said that having reviewed the finances at the, of the club, that we've really pushed beyond our limits. And of course, with relegation, it's come at the wrong season that we've pushed beyond our limits. So it might well be next season that we need an overdraft facility okay. in order to try and finance us getting promoted again. Um, because we've always been, you know, as a football club, we've we've never really been in the red. We've always operated within our means, and and that's something I think that we're quite proud of at the Baggies. But um, I, I think there was sort of this little overreaction to some comments that he made. But okay. we're going to be fine, sort of thing. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Um, all right then. So I mean, I guess given what you've said about sort of the season, what you've said about sort of the way in which you think that the the club, the fans accepted relegation a while ago, given sort of Pardew's very long barren run that he went on, and it was just you know, prolonged and prolonged. And um, so the, there's sort of the sense that you, I can imagine that West Brom would, would have nothing to lose in, in this game, of course. And um, after that last, you know, the, the last game with a huge you know, unexpected win against United, how do you see yourselves approaching this game against us? Then, given what you know about the attack that we possess, obviously, but then also, um, I guess what you know about the sort of the, the the current sentiment, I guess, amongst the players and the and the manager that they may as well put themselves about, even if it is, as you said at the start, cynically, if it, if it is just to to put themselves in the shop window. How, how do you reckon that uh, Moore's going to approach this? Um, I think Big Dave's going to have us set up very similarly, similarly to what to what we did at Old Trafford. Um, I think I don't think home advantage matters at all. You know, Liverpool have got a lot of firepower, and it it really makes no difference whether we're at home or away. I don't. I think in this fixture, um, we are probably you're probably going to see an Albion team that gets eight men behind the ball when they can, or even nine men behind the ball when they can. Um, but does look to exploit set pieces. Um, we'll look to Chris Brunt to try and spray some good passes around. He's he's been quite effective in the middle of the park. Um, and we'll be looking for some corners and free kicks in and around the box. Um, and I know that does sound fairly Pulis-esque, but I don't think that there's no complaints with us doing that against a team of the good quality of Liverpool, if that makes sense. There's no issues with that. So um, that's that's probably the, the approach that, that we're going to see. We're going to try and be solid and we're going to try and, um, as best as we can, maybe exploit the spaces should you have to push forward even more to, to try and get sort of a uh, uh, that first goal that settles you down. Um, I think the longer it stays nil-nil, 
the more chance there is of us getting a result similar to what, what happened at Old Trafford. But, you know, it's it, the, the, we're under no illusions. All, all it takes is a, a great, you know, three, four pass move between some of your forward players and, and, and Mo Salah, you know, stick it in the top corner from the edge of a box. Then, then the game plan's gone out, gone out the window to nobody's real fault. So, um I think we've just got to try and stick to the task, and I think I think Big Dave. Um, sorry, I keep calling him Big Dave. <laughs> no, it's fine. Another clip. It's, it's his nickname from years years it's, gone by. It's much better than Big um, Sam. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely <laughs> allow that. Yeah, he, um, he, I think what he's done is he's got the players just back down to basics. No, no complicated rubbish. Literally, every man is told what their job is. And they're going out on the pitch and trying to do it. I think James McLean come out come out in the week and sorry, he's come out after the game um against Man United and said something like, It's great to actually know what we're doing on a football pitch. Which is a <laughs> massive dig at Pardew. Um and 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 it absolutely is. I don't think that that Darren Moore is this big massive mastermind um tactician, but he's got people around him with with We've had to promote our um, under-23s manager, um, Jimmy Shan, who's who's been helping out with Big Dave. And then we've we've actually got our goalkeeper, Coach Cutler, in helping out with more than just goalkeeping, if that makes sense. So I think the team of them have come together and backs to the wall job have just sort of got the team playing. And, and Darren Moore's approach is one of leading by example. Um, he's a big guy. Um, you're not going to want to upset him, but but as well as that, he's a really, really well-respected figure amongst the fans, amongst all of the players, um, and I've got no doubt they'll they'll run through brick walls for him. He, he's not the kind of manager that will need to shout at anyone because you will get the message one way or another without that, um, which is probably what the club needs, and it's probably what the club needed two months back. You know, I'm actually sitting here right now thinking if we'd have had Big Dave till the end of the season from a couple of months back, you never know. We might well be in a position where we can yeah. fight for our lives now. But, but as it is, we essentially need to win all of our remaining four games and hope that Swansea lose all of their remaining four games. And chances of that happening are, well, bookmakers will have us down. I think we're 100-1 to one to stay up. So might be worth a quid. Yeah, definitely worth a punt, isn't it, for sure. But... Um... Anyway, yeah, th- th- thanks so much for all the insight there on West Brom. I mean, I mean I, I've sort of been aw- I've been aware of this sort of brewing throughout the entire season, but to get that level of detail on it is, yeah, really appreciate that. So, um, talking Liverpool, um, and Mo, uh, comfortable win over Bournemouth, ended what was a pretty magnificent week, really, given that the the way in which we were looking at that Champions League tie with Manchester City beforehand and you know, to emerge from that tie, you know, 5-1 winners, I think. I mean, you can really... That's, um, was it 4-1 winners? I can't, I've, I've sort of forgotten now. But, uh, yeah, two, two have emerged uh, winning as comfortably as we did. I mean, and the way in which the side looked against Bournemouth, still focused, still efficient, still professional. Um you see long balls going going into the box these days. You see, you see corners, things like that. The odd one that would would have usually worried you, given sort of our reputation over the past few years. And now it seems to be, you know, touch wood that we're we're getting far better in that side of the game as well. I mean, what did you make of that performance against Bournemouth? You know, coming off the City games, and um, was it really pro- professional performance for you? Oh, absolutely, it was. It really was. Um, no, it, it's not just with Liverpool, but um, a lot of the teams that um, achieve big results in the Champions League or even the Europa League, um, their next domestic fixture, um, there's often um, a significant drop-off in performance, which results in draws or even losses, um, because there's so much of an adrenaline dump um, following the big victory that um, it's a bit of a come down to get back to, you know, the domestic uh, fixtures and uh, you know, performance levels, even if they drop 5% um, can still make quite a notable difference. Um, but there was none of that against Bournemouth. It was highly professional, as you say, um, very assured performance. And it was a 
performance that um, maybe even as little as six months ago, but certainly a year or 18 months ago, would have had most Liverpool fans extremely nervous. Uh, Bournemouth can be quite a dangerous team. We know that um, as Liverpool fans, um, that famous victory from last year, um, you know, is is something that we uh, were wounded by um, at their ground, and uh, we know what they're capable of. But um, we didn't give them a sniff, and it shows the confidence that's running through the team, um, but also the confidence that's running through the fan base. That um, even when we were at one nil up, which we were for a fair amount of time during the match, um, there was none of that nerves that you normally associate with um, Anfield. Um, you know. Typically, over the last several years, a 1-0 lead or even a 2-0 lead um, is something that has still left a lot of fans at Anfield feeling a bit unsettled and nervy. But um, there was very little of that. There's so much confidence in the team being able to defend properly, um, to be able to protect leads now that um, you know, it's more a case of just waiting for the next one or two more goals to be scored. And, and sure enough, um, you know, they came. So all round, it was just a very um, accomplished, uh, polished performance um, throughout the team, uh, midfield, defence and attack. They all did their job. And, um, you know, th- th- these are the types of performances that I think as Liverpool fans, we can really look forward to next season, whereby we don't even have to go into fourth or fifth gear um, to achieve a really comprehensive victory. No, of course. I mean... It- it's it's sort of that sort of understated win that we've been after for for years in terms of driving up that consistency, getting the easy points that we've needed to to really in past seasons where we failed to to quite challenge and get all the way there. It's been the lack of consistency in these games. So so to see a game like Bournemouth, and I'm not under no illusion. Obviously, Bournemouth play the way in which we would like them to in terms of trying to play, still pretty open. There's quite a lot of space for us to operate in and. Um, it's probably quite a handy game to come into following such an intense game against City. But um, yeah, I really was impressed by the level of intensity shown by uh, a number of Liverpool players. I mean, which ones sort of impressed you the most? I mean, I, I, I was going to speak to you just in particularly around uh, Chamberlain and, um, and Trent Alexander-Arnold, who seem to be getting most of the plaudits after the game. But was it as simple as those two for you? Um, yeah, I think that those were the two um, standout performances uh, from the Liverpool team for me. Um, Oxlade-Chamberlain's energy, um, his industry in midfield uh, was just a joy to behold. Um, made some direct runs as well. Um, and, you know, he has grown so much during the course of the season. You know, he came into the team with many people doubting him, thinking that paying 35 million with 5 million in add-ons was, for, for a player um, who only had a year left on his contract with Arsenal, um, was and also with um, quite a terrible injury record over the last five or six years, um, it w- was certainly a risk. Um, but, you know, he has now become a firm fixture in the middle of the park. and. Um, you know, he has, you know, wanted to play there and he made that quite clear um, when he joined the team. And uh, People were laughing at that know, idea, is... weren't they? Yeah, that's right. And that's because, um, you know, he was used as almost a utility type player, filling in at full back and on the wing predominantly and very rarely um, in central midfield. And, you know, people thought, well, why should we bring him into there when we've got, others who are uh, seasoned veterans in, in midfield positions. So um, that was seen as a risk. And obviously, um, he started off the season um, in a bit of a low-key nature, so um, didn't get many regular appearances. But um, you know, over the course of the season, you know, we've initially obviously had to learn the Liverpool way, learn the Jurgen Klopp way. And that's something that um, perhaps he needed a bit of time to uh, become accustomed to. Um, but once once um, he, he um, learned how to play in sync with the rest of his teammates, then um, you know the confidence came with it. And uh, his most notable earlier performance was against uh, Man City back in January, and he's not looked back since. And 
yeah, again, um, against Bournemouth, um, a very almost complete midfield performance. It was it was really impressive, only really missing the goal, um, but uh, that that was just um, joy to behold, really, and uh, certainly bodes well for. Uh, the European fixtures um, that we've got coming up with Roma, I think that he could give uh, the likes of De Rossi a really hard time because his pressing and his um, direct runs will cause um, De Rossi and Angolan all sorts of problems. So um, really looking forward to that. And Trent as well, um, another very encouraging performance um, to consolidate um, his magnificent performances against uh, Manchester City and specifically um, Leroy, Leroy Sané. That that was um, a really, really good couple of weeks for him. And you know, all of a sudden, people are talking about him possibly being uh, included in the England squad. So um, that shows just how quiet, just how quick his uh, rise has come. Yeah, I think if you sort of think about how it was bookended, at least at the start, you know, following that Man United performance where there were high-profile errors that he was pinpointed or around in terms of being involved with them I'm not I'm not so sure he was actually largely to blame for for both of them but there was definitely the spotlight on him I was worried for sure in terms of the fact that City have had so much joy and placed so much emphasis in those wide areas with with Sane and Sterling obviously Sterling didn't play in that first leg after all but um we were aware that it was going to be tough and at points in that second leg he had silver uh, Sane and um, even De Bruyne sort of drifting over there just just to deal with and, and, and the the decision making you, you're seeing from him is probably one of the most impressive things for sure. But I, I thought against Bournemouth, you just saw the the abilities of him as a footballer. You can see there's, there's so much talent there in, in, in terms of his delivery into the box, and um, it feels weird that we're, we're not even going to mention in this sort of recap um, Mo Salah, but just just a word from him. I mean. Forty goals um, keeps going, yeah. Wow, really? Is it, is it? What can you say about Salah? It's not bad, is he? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, every superlative under the sun has been thrown in his way, and even some that are perhaps made up. <laughs> you know, he has um, had the season of a lifetime, really. Um, not not just in terms of performances and um, his statistics. Um, sure, the 40 goals has been um, beyond anyone's wildest imaginations, but um, it's also the fact that as a player on the world stage, he has grown um, so significantly and he's almost seen like a, a, certainly a world-class footballer, but um, one of the elite players um, around and uh, one of the most liked footballers as well. I mean, even... Those who are not Liverpool fans um, have a lot of time for this player. Um, they really admire the way he plays, the way he conducts himself, um, seen as a role model. And um, you know, he's, a, he's a credit to the club, um, credit to his home nation of Egypt, who are immensely proud of what he has done for the national team um, this season. And um, you know, credit to himself, um, really... Uh, um, really wonderful player and a wonderful person and uh, I'm hoping that um, his goals um, contribution for Liverpool hasn't ended I'm sure there's more to come and hopefully some very very important goals to come over the next few weeks Yeah for sure just just hope you can keep it up obviously with these, these huge games coming forward then I mean just a more general question then I, I know you touched upon some of the the satisfying things that you can see from that Bournemouth game, but um, regardless of how the season ends, and I know it's a, a little bit cheeky to say that because obviously, it's, obviously, some things are still in play. I think I think Champions League football for next season, we should be pretty comfortable around that now. I think you know, mathematically, it's getting increasingly increasingly difficult for for Chelsea to push their way in. I, th- I, th- I think it's pretty much done if we can just be professional about ourselves, um, but. What's your opinion on how Klopp's evolved this team then? I mean, thinking about sort of the different views we've had at different points in this season, you're thinking about after that Spurs game, after the City game, and even after sort of certain transfers not coming in or uh, you know, transfers going out, when you think about Coutinho's departure that hardly even gets mentioned um, now. Just what's, what's your opinion on this current Liverpool team and how Klopp's gone about his business? Um he has um, silenced a lot of criticisms that I had of him earlier in the season. 
I was, to be honest, beginning to doubt him. I thought that um, failure to bring in the centre-back in the summer transfer window um, was a monumental mistake. And especially when we were nine games into the season, um, I think we were about eighth or ninth in the table and um, we'd suffered a, another heavy loss this time against Spurs. And it looked like it would be quite a tall ask to make top four. Um, and, and obviously at that point in the season, um, we'd already had several quite disappointing uh, defensive performances um, involving the likes of uh, Lovren and Mignolet. And um, you know, we'd dropped points to Watford, obviously had a merit um, yet he had against Manchester City. And obviously, um, just the, the most uh, shockingly bad performance by Lovren at Wembley against uh, Spurs. So it was really not looking good. And um, a lot of people were questioning Klopp um, and thinking that he was out of his mind not to bring in a centre-back when it was so clear on the evidence of last season that one was needed at least. Um, but, you know, he, he managed to get through to January, eventually get his man in Van Dijk. And, um, you know, that seems to um, coincide with us becoming defensively um, a lot more assured, certainly statistically better. Um, I think our expected goals uh, against prior to him arriving was about 1.2. Um, since he has arrived, it stands at 0.7, which is um, title winning uh, form defensively. So that's how much of a difference he has made. Um, and pretty much all of his signings, um, certainly this season and even uh, those that were signed last season, you know, have really come to the fore now and um, have um, come vital cogs in the clock machine. And uh, you know, the way that the whole team is now coming together is something that is certainly greater than the sum of its parts. Um, is uh, as exciting as I can remember. Um, since really um, we won the title back in 1990, it's it's that good, and um, you know even since that um, performance against Spurs, um, I think our points per game um, over a course of a season would result in about 87 points. And bear in mind, for about two, well, about three to four months of that period, uh, we had Mignolet goal, who in my mind is one of the worst two or three goalkeepers in the entire Premier League. In fact, there's quite a lot of goalkeepers in the championship better than Mignolet. Um, and, and we've seen that with Karis coming in. Um, now he's he's a world's better goalkeeper than Mignolet. Mignolet, I think, was a decent goalkeeper at Sunderland um, at that level. But um, for a team that wants to win um, trophies, he's, he's so far off um, the desired levels. But uh, no, it, it really is a team that's coming together now. And... Um, in, in terms of the Champions League, anything is possible. Um, the team has arguably been the best performing in all of the Champions League um, this season, hasn't been defeated, scored more goals than anyone else. And um, you know, favourites against Roma, you know, let, let's be fair. So um, there's a lot to be optimistic about um, from what we've seen over the last few weeks and the way that the Klopp um, team has evolved. Um, has been immensely exciting, even though uh, points-wise, it's, it's quite plausible that we might only end up with maybe a couple of points extra um, this season um, than last season. But um, it, it's been a very different type of season because obviously we've had a lot more fixtures with Champions League football, whereas last season there was no European football. Um, and also we, we started off like a house on fire at the start of 16-17, and tailed off whereas this season it was the opposite we started off slower um, but we've really built up ahead of steam um, in the second half of the season and if we can continue with that for the remaining few weeks of the season and carry it forward into next season then you know who who knows what we're capable of yeah it certainly felt like that 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 last season that we sort of limped over the line whereas this season it feels like we're we're in far better condition, and you only have to look at sort of the way in which Klopp's rotated almost methodically throughout the entire um, Christmas period, even prior to that. That you do you say is is part of the reason, as well as I'm sure plenty of other work that's gone in um, to ensure that we are you know, 
in terms of form, in terms of chronic load, all, all that stuff, um, that we're in a fairly good place. I, I was worried a couple of days ago just with the, some of the numbers of injuries that are stacking up, but I think we should be should be okay just to get through it. Perhaps we are one or two players light, but this unit have really done done themselves proud. So just to move on to the, the weekend's game, obviously it's, it's, it's very hard not to be distracted by the Roma game, which is three days following the West Brom game on Saturday. But um, uh, do you think that's going to impact the the lineup that we see? Do you think there'll be some rotation there? Do you think it's going to be as noticeable as the lineup for Everton, or or do you think that it's, um, there's enough time for us to you know, field a fairly strong team again and and then also uh, you know, refresh and, and and reset prior to Roma? I don't think it will be a full strength team. I think that there will be perhaps three or so players um, likely to feature in the Roma game that won't feature in the West Brom game. Um, one of those players I don't think will be Mo Salah. I think he will play. Um, clearly, um, his competition with um, Harry Kane has become um, quite a heated one and uh, perhaps um, quite a high-profile one now after the events of... Um, past um, week and a half whereby Harry Kane um, appealed for that uh, goal that he never scored and was awarded it and uh, obviously all of the um, social media reaction to it has made it quite a big thing now so I think Salah wants to play every game going and so I expect him to um, feature in that one Um, but it might be certain players rested from the um, midfield and defence, but we will just have to um, see. But I think we will still put out a strong team. We are not mathematically there yet in terms of securing Champions League football, even though we are obviously in a a really good position. If Chelsea win all of their remaining games, which is always possible, um, they will finish on 75 points. Uh, We're on 70 points, which means that we need two uh, two more wins to make it mathematically... um, secure in terms of Champions League for next season. And um, I, th- I think that Klopp and Liverpool will look at the game against West Brom as an opportunity to, to notch up one of those two wins. Um, but you know, we, we certainly can't discount West Brom, um, but we'll, we'll come on to that in a moment. But uh, yeah, I, I think we'll go with uh, a strong lineup, but not the strongest lineup we can possibly put out there. I think there will be one or two players... Um, who will be rotated in order to keep them fresh for the uh, big home game in midweek next week against Roma. So Dan, then, just to bring you back in, just just as we get towards the game, and then maybe just uh, wrap up and get to predictions. But um, you mentioned the sort of tactical approach you're you're expecting to see from from West Brom um, this weekend. Uh, are there other particular players that you think will be fielded, given the given the opposition given the historical frailties that we've had as well um, I'm, I'm thinking of Rondon there but I mean, we're not going to see Gareth Barry in midfield I'm imagining no no he's, he's out till the end of the season anyway oh great well, that's good. <laughs> I would pretty much just say that it, it's, it's, it's probably going to be the same team again um, he's Darren Moore's he's, he's left it unchanged in two games so we've had um, Foster at the back um, with Hagazi and Dawson Neom at right back and Gibbs at left back Neom's been playing pretty pretty well he's he's not the most um, he's not the most favoured of Albion's players because of his inconsistency but he, you know he, he can often get it right he's, he's one of those strange odd players that doesn't, doesn't look like a footballer he doesn't really run like a footballer doesn't often pick out the best of passes, but sometimes you can just do a job and be what you need. And um, it'll be probably Phillips again and McLean on the wings with Brunton Livermore in the middle with Rondon and and then Rodriguez behind Rondon um, with Rodriguez probably dropping into midfield when he needs to. Um, but then again, we you know we might we might spring the change and if we do see any changes, I think that the men you're probably looking at are Livermore and, and Phillips as probably our, our most underperforming players of the last couple of games. Um, Livermore sort of died off towards the end in the, in the Man United game and 
he's been a real disappointment really during his his entire time at the club. To be honest, um, I'd love to see Samfield come in for for um, for Livermore or even give Krakowiak a go. Um, but, but yeah, I think you're going to be looking at pretty much the same sort of team. Yeah, Mo. Then I mean, just to bring on two sort of mentioned rotation that you think it's going to be a fairly strong team. Um, you wouldn't be tempted then to rest Salah ahead of that Roma game. Obviously, the guy likes to play. Kane's got that competition going, but you, of the front three, he wouldn't be the one you rested. Oh, I, I would actually prefer to rest him. I just don't think that um, he would want to be rested, um, given he's obviously uh, taking this uh, competition with Harry Kane quite seriously. Um, you know, I'd like to get him to go into that game against Roma fresh. Um, and uh, completely ready, geared up for that game. But uh, no, I, I think at the least he'll probably get a, about 70 minutes and then um, he might be um, substituted. But um, no, I, I think he'll almost insist on playing. I'd, I'd be surprised if he doesn't start. Um, of the other two of the front three, um, you know, Mane has played, um, I think, a little bit more than the other two. He's been in a rich vein of form, um, and Klopp may be tempted to go with him. So he might be tempted to, therefore, rest Firmino and um, try and have him ready and raring to go um, in the midweek game against uh, Roma. I think Firmino could be absolutely vital um, to making our system work and be... Um, you know, really um, effective against Roma. So if he rests him, he might bring in somebody like um, a Solanke. And, and Solanke might not be the worst type of player to bring in um, purely because West Brom are a tall, quite physically uh, imposing team. So having um, that extra taller player um, can certainly help with defending set pieces. And I suspect that... Um, West Brom will look to try and make the most of set pieces because that that will likely be their best chance of victory um, against against us. And I watched the game against um, United, and um, you know that was a very deserved victory. It wasn't like the Newcastle victory against Man United at St James's Park um, a number of weeks ago, where they really rode their luck um, to defeat Man United. Um, West Brom absolutely were the better team against Manchester United and, um, you know, have fought and have smarted United and uh, played a very, um, uh, very smart game and uh, United had no real answers. Um, So, you know, even though they are the bottom team, certainly can't take um, this game for granted. And, uh, you know, I I think that that's why Klopp will look to play a, a fairly strong team I don't think he'll um, play the reserves like he did against Everton. No. Um, you know, so I think, as I say, there perhaps might be um, some rotation in midfield. So I think Henderson will play against Roma. So he might be tempted to um, perhaps rest him and play Ginny um, as a starting uh, number six, um, supported by um, Oxlade-Chamberlain and perhaps um, Milner. And in defence, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Klein um, drops in and um, Trent is rested. Obviously, Trent's played a lot recently. So, um, again, um, we could do with him having fresh legs against uh, Roma. Uh, and that could, again, be quite a key battle in, in midweek against Roma, uh, where he'll be up against, um, I think it will be Kolarov, perhaps. So, um you know, if that's the case, then uh, you know, youth against experience, very fresh legs against quite tired legs. Yeah, um, for could sure. be an interesting battle in that one. But uh, yeah, I, I don't expect there to be more than three or four um, changes from our strongest possible lineup. No, it makes sense as well because obviously rhythm's important as well. I mean, all right then, guys. So, so just just before coming to predictions, then Dan, I, mean, I, I just wanted to ask you um, uh, whether there was a sort of a specific threat that you look at with our team or. or or if it's just the case of, you know, it, it, it's the obvious question in terms of Salah, 
or Firmino or Mane. Or there's, there's, there's been lots of threats this season. Um, but just just interested, I guess, of your opinion of sort of which one stood out for you this season. Is it the obvious uh, Egyptian man? I think it has to be. Uh, I mean, not only has he scored me an absolute shed load of points on fantasy football, he's, he's just <laughs> been fantastic. Yeah. Um, he's just been an all-round... I mean, what superlatives are you guys on now? I mean, how far down the line have you got with them? Like, what can you say about his season? He's He's been phenomenal. Um, of course, you, you've got other players that and can perform. Um, I, I would say your ultimate strength is 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 definitely Mo Salah and Firmino's not not bad either. And you know, I think if we can keep Mo Salah quiet, then we've got a very good chance of getting points out of the game. It is that simple. I think in terms of if you people maybe one weakness would be your goalkeeper. I know, I know you previously discussed. Um, battle between Minimay and Karius, which has been going on for a couple of years now. Um, Karius is clearly the better keeper. Um, but, you know, he's he's there to be tested, shall we say. Um, do, do you think you'll be bringing someone in in the summer, Karius? I'm, I'm not too sure, to be honest. I think Klopp's, Klopp's a man who's Given certain players, you know, you take about Dejan Lovren, for example, and he's, he's, he's certainly improved in recent weeks for sure, but numerous chances. So I feel like Karius is probably quite light on the number of lives he's, he's exhausted so far. I, 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 I honestly think he's got the talent as well. I think he, I think he, he, he can grow to the occasion, but it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I just think that it's going to be potentially quite expensive to go after anybody, even if it's just, Allison from Roma or whoever it might be, I think the the fee would be quite high, and um, Klopp might just might just view it as is it really needed, or or do we bring in somebody to replace Mignolet, who by all by all means looks like he's going to be leaving this summer. So yeah, not not too sure about that, but um, I guess we'll see. But but guys, and just just to wrap things up, then I guess we will come to predictions. And um, Dan, I'll stay with you first. I mean. What are you expecting then for for Saturday's game? I'm going to say that it's it's going to be uh, Liverpool win. Um, I can't see us managing to come off the back of an exhausting win against Man United and then following it up with win against essentially the you know for me they're the second best team in in the Premier League at the minute. Um, so I think it's going to be a little bit of a stretch too far, um, and we we might well have our relegation confirmed. Um, this weekend, actually, I'm going to say three-one Liverpool. Three-one and 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 Mo, which one? Or what scoreline are you going for? I think it could be a tight one. Actually, um, I predict two-one. Um, I think it could be quite competitive. I don't think it will be like the game um, earlier in the season in the FA Cup uh, fourth round. Um, for a start, we haven't got mini lane goal. Um, no, he um, certainly played his part in um, um, helping um, West Brom to victory there. But uh, you know, there is, there are threats there, though. I mean, Jay Rodriguez um, and likes of Dawson, even Hagazi potentially on set pieces. Um, no, we can't take that threat lightly. So I, I suspect that there might be a goal in it from a set piece, um, but I think that um, we'll have enough to. Uh, no, ECAT win, but I don't think it will be quite a um, rip roaring um, performance whereby we we rip West Brom to shreds. Their victory against Manchester United at the weekend uh, would have given the team plenty of um, optimism, massive confidence boost, and they'll go into the game at Anfield thinking that they can um, upset um, you know their big rival um, for the second weekend running so I think it'll be close but I think we'll have enough quality to uh, pick up the victory and unfortunately uh, for Dan um, consign um, West Brom to the championship I, I think that um, the defeat at Anfield will most likely result in uh, West Brom being relegated unfortunately sorry Dan 
you know, it's it's, it's actually going to be away from home, mate. So <laughs> I think that they're not going to have any. I think it's going to be away. From, I'm pretty sure it's, it is. It, it, it is away. Yeah. So. Um, oh, it's right. Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, West Brom's Anfield experience is already. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to relive that really. But um, <laughs> uh, but in yeah, in, in terms of the game, I mean, yeah, I think it's probably. I think it could be probably something about two nil to be honest. But but I but I think that we're going to be. I, I even with all the focus in the world, with all the will in the world, I think you you have to be hard. You, you almost wouldn't be human if you weren't sort of distracted by the looming semi-final in the Champions League so I think it's going to be going to be a game where perhaps you, you see us with not our full foot on the throttle in terms of going for it but uh, yeah I can't see us not not scoring it's, it, it seemed to be a habit this season so um, anyway guys thanks so much uh, Dan for giving us all that insight on West Brom and, 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 and Mo is always sort of helping us talk around uh, Liverpool season so far so really appreciate that guys and um, to all those who've been listening yeah I hope you've enjoyed and we'll be back next week to um, talk about hopefully a positive result in the Champions League that let's face it as well as we look ahead to the remaining games in the Premier League season and um, yeah I hope you'll join us for that so thanks everyone to listening and, and we'll be back next week thank you Sports Social Podcast Network